Before we get going, uh, I just want to issue a correction. During the podcast, Jennifer and I talk about someone named Tabitha, and who we actually met was Tiana Agdom. Uh, Tiana is the Work Integrated Learning Program Administrator for Advertising and Design at Humber College. So, um, Tiana, thank you for all your hard work, and we are so sorry. I also want to take a second to say thank you to um, Alex Rivera, Yura Lee, and Adam Rallo for not just giving me some really helpful advice, but kind of kicking my ass to step up the audio level quality just a little bit. So it's not perfect yet, but I think it's definitely better. So thank you for all your help as well. podcast. Whiteboard is a podcast that invites recent design grads to be candid with faculty on their time as a student. These are the conversations that profs and students should have but can't. Exploring the intersecting needs of students, faculty, the education system, and the job market as a whole. Hi everyone, I'm joined today by Jennifer Palacios. Jennifer is a graphic designer and independent singer-songwriter based out of Toronto, Ontario. She's developed relationships with other local artists and designers and takes on creative projects of all sorts. Since graduation with the pandemic heavily affecting our community's artists, Jennifer has been seeking ways to encourage the support of music and design, regardless of the barriers at hand while working as a junior designer for 2MF Limited. You can find her music on all major streaming sites under her artist name, Jenny Palacios, where she handles all graphic aspects and works with other local creatives to realize her songs. Uh, Jennifer, thank you and welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Eric. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> great to hear from you again. So you graduated, I guess, a year ago. Yeah, yeah. Just as the pandemic was rolling out and just as everything was happening, that was that was our year. And I don't know, it was such a weird time to look back on. <laughs> right. So if I remember correctly, like the last three weeks, I guess, mm-hmm. or more, maybe a bit more. I, th- I think it was, well, we went into lockdown around the end of March. And so we had school for like another month or so. I, I, school ends after April, right? At the end of April. So it was uh, about a month that, that we were in lockdown. Is that right? I think. I guess I should know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's sometime in April. You always have a trickle of assignments, so um, it gets really hazy for me. It so totally what, does. And dates are all over the place at that point, right? So yeah. you're kind of just like, well, when it ends, it ends. It, it, sooner or later, people will stop emailing me and I'll stop being asked for things and everyone will be happy <laughs> and then there'll be someone. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what was that like after those, after a little bit and then going into the summer um, after graduating? I guess you were looking for an internship, looking for work. It was, it was pretty weird to adapt to. And I remember... Um, a lot of the other students feeling the same way too. We were kind of, I don't know if I'd call it like panic mode about it, but like a few of us would be talking, we'd be like, okay, how are we going to, you know, coordinate this now? Because a, a lot of the, um, maybe the, the prep work that we were told was going to happen or that we anticipated was going to be like, I hate this word, not networking kind of events, but like, like job fairs and that sort of thing. Like, um, a lot of us kind of relied on those kind of avenues or like in-person interviews, that sort of thing. 
um, in-person portfolio um, reviews, that sort of thing. And like, since that didn't happen, we were kind of like, okay, well, we're just going to email blast anyone and everyone we can. <laughs> um, you and you individual as individuals did that or the school did that? We did that. And luckily, Tabitha was also a really great like she was really great for uh helping us out finding like places who are looking for interns too like just freshly graduated students who who needed an internship um and i I think i found my internship through tabitha okay great um that that was going to be my next question so you found an internship in the context of you know a lockdown no one's open you Mm -hmm. can't walk in places um, no net, no networking events. So for those who aren't listening, who don't know this, usually there's some kind of like portfolio shows that happen where industry people come and students come and everyone's to show off their work and talk. Um, that's not happening for you, but you have other, other scaffolds that you can climb. Can you tell us mm-hmm. about those? Yeah. So, um, Tabitha, she, she's like, for us, she was like really amazing. She would email us constantly or she would be on blackboard constantly like updating what opportunities there are and like there'd be like kind of niche um companies or or just looking for maybe specialized designers or anything like that and so if you found something that uh kind of pertained to your skill set like for me I didn't really relate to any of the companies looking for interns until like very late in the game like um I so I actually have a server on Discord. I'm on a server with Caden, uh, Sarah, Trisha, um, Mary, and in uh, it's just it's a big server of a lot of us. And um, we were all kind of our backs are all against the wall at this point. We're all kind of like, oh my god, none of us have internships. Like, is this just the reality? Are we not graduating? Um, and so, kind of just had to wait until the right opportunity came along. My right opportunity was um, with Evolutionary Music Cooperative. Um, being someone in the music scene, I definitely wanted to gear towards music. And like my my general design, my taste and all that, like just gear towards music. And I know that's like where most of my skill set is. Um, not that I can't o- couldn't offer, you know, other companies or whatever, what they were looking for and not that I can't learn anything from them, but I, I just, I really wanted to go down that Avenue. And so it, it was like total luck when it happened. She posted that and I, I immediately applied and they were totally happy to have me. How did they, how did, what was the name of the, where you did the internship? Evolutionary Music Cooperative. And how did they determine that you were a fit? I think, I think it was in the cover letter. I just, I mentioned a lot that my experience uh, with design comes from, the music industry, well, not the music industry per se, but like uh, working with local artists and like designing um, in that vein of things, in that like uh, side of music and design. Um, and they were totally interested. They thought that that was a fit. At least I think so. I hope so. I, I hope that's why. <laughs> it's, it seems like it's a mix between um, the portfolio, which is important, but also like the person, the person themselves. Yeah, yeah, and the, and the skills you have to to offer pertaining to their, I guess their needs as as uh whatever they are, whatever company organization they are, um, yeah, I was just really happy to find someone who needed to, like someone who knew how to design things, but also who had knowledge of the music industry. Um, yeah, what kind it, of work did they throw at you? 
oh it was a lot of general like uh oh gosh let's see if i can remember even um we we did a few so evolution evolutionary music cooperative is a is an independent label um for uh like artists with with so like some sort of social movement or some sort of like uh social background that they they kind of want to uplift and I, I love that so much so we did a lot of work doing like lyric videos for for artists and um kind of rebranding their online presence just uh general digital assets like that yeah that's cool lyric lyric videos kinetic type i don't know what a lyric video is oh it well yeah um i didn't use I don't think I used After Effects or anything like that. I I did like really um, a low key sort of music video for them, um, just on Premiere Pro, and I just like set the type there, and and like aligned it with the music. In hindsight, though, I think I think I definitely would have wanted to use like some sort of kinetic type or a, a bit more animation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes I think we do a little bit of overkill as designers, like especially I don't know what format you were working in, but you know, a lot of times with Instagram, it's like. Or other other quick social things. It's like, do how how elaborate can this even be, given like the three second attention span and all that. So sometimes oh, it's hard yeah, to tell. It's which to consider. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I mean, speaking of all the different tools that are available and all the different tools that we that we learn that are taught in in school, it's off the charts. E even in ten years since I graduated. Um, there's been things added. Um, so like, how does that, what does that do to trying to like figure out who you're going to be as a designer? Like as you're in this program, you're trying to be, you're being asked to be multifaceted. Mm -hmm. uh, what goes through your mind as a student? Oh, that's a great question. Hmm. For me at the time when all, you know, all those techniques and everything were uh, kind of right before my face, I think I, I took it a bit for granted. Like I would think in that moment, what am I going to use this technique for? And like, if it doesn't apply to what I want to do in the field that I want to go in, sometimes admittedly, I would just shut it down and like, just not commit to it. And I think maybe, you know, this because you were my teacher and I was your student. Like there are times where, um, like, yeah, just a, a skill set is brought to me and I'm just like, I, I can't see myself using this. I don't know if I'm going to use my brain right now and apply it. In hindsight, I wish I would have definitely committed more to doing that because the base level of all that, like having that base level knowledge really does propel you forward later when you're tackling your own projects in whatever field you're in and doing whatever you're doing in design. I don't know. Does, did that answer the question? I kind of went off on a tangent. <laughs> no, that's that's great. You know, may, maybe it's on it's on me and instructors to make sure that we're focusing on like forecasting the relevance of what's being taught or oh you know because if you're sitting there thinking i don't really care about this why do i need to know this it, it is kind of on me to like tell you maybe why so it's oh. something that definitely i think we as educators can get better at rather than just expecting that immediate i guess respect or that like taking for granted that people necessarily care about the material um in a way we have to sell it right from yeah from from um an instructor's standpoint you're you know 
there's a lot of experience that you hold. So there's probably an assumption that like, like this is going to be useful. Like people are going to receive this and think like, this is probably, they'll, they'll know this is useful. Maybe I, I think, right. Yeah. Or, or like, even if you don't think it's useful, I'm telling you it is, and that should be enough. Um, but mm -hmm. I, I second guess that frequently that, that assumption. <laughs> I mean, I, when I was in, when I was in design school, I mean, my worst, my worst marks and the things I put the less least investment in are now things I do professionally. So I, I didn't um, web design. We only had one course and I, I think I had like a 60 in it. And you know, oh. that's where my freelance work is and it's <laughs> what I teach. Um, so I ended yeah. up having to learn it when I, when I graduated, um, learn it kind of on my own time. And it's like, okay, well, you know, if I had listened at that point, but then on the other hand, my challenge is it's like, well, shouldn't people be able to focus on the things they want to focus on? Oh, that's another thing too, right? But I mean, to what you were saying before about, you know, like maybe specializing in, in the thing that you kind of shrugged off when you were learning about it, like that is, like I identify with that to my core. Like there are so many instances where I think back and I'm like, man, I'm like, like going back to the example of like video editing, right? Like can using kinetic type and that sort of thing. Like I do, I do that fairly often these days, but um, in school, like using After Effects was definitely something that I was just like, I, I don't see myself using this. So I, like the irony is incredible. <laughs> yeah, I, there's no way you could have predicted that. Uh, you know, many graphic designers, many graduates never actually never do end up using that uh, any given software right whether it's after effects or even indesign some some people might just focus on logo and branding and never touch indesign who knows mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's definitely like a wide range of skills and given that there's something about the grading schemas which ultimately compares students in a way um mm -hmm. and so i wonder you know what you think about the way education is set up accidentally or intentionally, it seems to generate comparisons between students. And I wonder what you yeah. think about that. I could go off on this for a long time. I think um, maybe a lot of people will like <laughs> identify with this, but personally, I've, I've just never been a good student. And like a lot of people will say that, I think, um, with like maybe thinking about, you know, a test that they totally bombed or just like maybe they don't have great study habits. I like I can confidently say and accept that about myself now that I am part of um like a, a, a section or like a small group, maybe not a small group, a group of students who just never got it. Like there is a day in um in the third grade that I specifically remember where we started learning fractions in math and I I I know that as the day that I checked out of math, like for the rest of my education. <laughs> <laughs> and so like to this day I, I don't remember any other math class that happened since then with that in mind just never really feeling like you have a place in the education or like the traditional public school education system like you kind of um you naturally I don't want to say resent but there's a comparison like there's definitely um a conscious um a consciousness about like the skills that you have and like how that's not totally appreciated by um 
or it doesn't feel like it's being appreciated by maybe teachers or like fellow students, but other students do have these skills and certain skills and, and they are appreciated and they're celebrated. And you kind of feel, I don't know what the word is, but like you kind of feel like you have to take an alternative route to, to do things. Does that, does that kind of make sense? I guess. Yeah, or like feel think, successful about yourself. I think so. Um, I think so. I, I mean, everyone comes at, at that differently. Like if you, um, well, you know, you we talked about Gabe, and Gabriel was mm -hmm. just kind of someone who just he did what he wanted and he did what made him happy and to hell with the grades. Mm -hmm. Um, but I know that doesn't work for everyone, and not everyone is is there in that headspace. Mm -hmm. Now that other students are looking at, oh, you know, so and so is good at drawing, and obviously that's beneficial. And you know, I was never good at drawing, and sometimes I would think like, man, like. I have great ideas, but I just can't get them on paper in the context of, you know, a couple of weeks and the people who can draw can. So they get that, they sort of get that yeah. um, recognition, whereas some people don't, and maybe it's a time factor, or I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. And then um, it, it's funny how like, mo like almost everyone I talk to in school, like, uh, in the past few years like it, it's like a thing that everybody hates group projects like mm -hmm. I, and even like now I'm sure any student will say like they just would rather not do group projects but like the nice thing about group projects is that you don't have to have all the assets figured out like you can provide maybe what you can to the group and then the rest will be filled in by everybody else. And that's I guess the name of the game of a group project. Maybe it doesn't feel like that in the moment when you're in it um, but that's what the group project setting is for. And, and yeah, I, I, I don't know, but, um, I guess in I my experience being in group projects, I, I'd often compare myself and like the, the skills that I lacked instead of, and like, I'd shoot myself in the foot that way instead of just like, instead of focusing on what you, you can bring. Yeah. 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 You know, it's like super cliche now to say, but the benefit of group projects is is diversity, right? Like everyone can bring something. You'll have the Avengers of design, right? Because everyone has a little bit thing that they can do. <laughs> but also that it's like, if you hate group work, then you're going to hate the industry. So because, much. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. But you know, um, educators, we need to find more ways to, to get out of the way of collaboration in the way that industry gets out of the way of collaboration, whether that's mm -hmm. thinking differently about how a group project is structured, or maybe it's thinking differently about what tools are made available for students to collaborate. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's got to be more than just Skype, right? Yeah. I don't, oh, yeah, totally. And like, you know, for some, maybe, um, maybe there's a large focus on the grade at the end of things where the the true success in working in a group project maybe shouldn't be about how do we get the highest mark but how do we convey what the project is um and 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 that will be a successful project at the end if you've successfully conveyed or like got across what you're supposed to or finish the task the way you're supposed to and in theory the grades will follow right yeah in theory the grades will follow see like i just it, it doesn't come grades just don't come first thing to mind for me, but anyway, yeah, that's, and that's just how it'll work out.
Right. You know, I, I remember actually you presenting a project that you had done on um, XT and like I had mm -hmm. seen like glimpses of the project and I was like, OK, like it, this is this is good. But then I remember you delivering a presentation and just what you brought, like the clarity and the communication you brought through presenting to the design like really left an impression on me. I was like, oh, this this person knows how to talk design. She knows how to pitch a concept um everything like everything just became clear to me about what you were doing uh with your design and i was just like oh man like i wish there was more time i wish there was more opportunity because um i know what she's saying and this this is going to be really cool uh Thank and you. and well no i mean it and i think it's like a problem because we have to we have to we're trying everyone students and teachers are trying to like produce awesome work because it's like might as well use your time here to make a portfolio, but uh, sometimes I concern I'm concerned that that gets in the way of the learning. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. For sure. Yeah, because the the grades the grades in the create a portfolio piece, it it serves something, but I don't know if it serves learning. At the end of the yeah. day. Yeah. In my experience, I think. Sorry, I keep going back to it, but just like when I ignore my focus of the grade at the end of that project like that's when I find that I, I'm truly invested in the project or at, at the task at hand um, and I'll come out of it with something that I'm proud of or something that I'll want to keep around to like show others or like have in my portfolio um, mm -hmm. and I, 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 I think I remember that the XD project being one of those things where I was like okay how do I make this cool so I can just like use it after <laughs> yeah so what do you what do you say to people who who kind of do focus on grades because I think you know a lot of us are brought up to worry about grades um mm -hmm. what do you what do you have to like what would you say to someone who is in that mindset it's hard to say I think because some people really do like they get the grade and it's also a, like a successful piece and this is something that they can take with them. It's something they look back on, a project they look back on and they, like they've learned a lot. But I think it's such a cliche, but too much of anything is too much, you know? So if you lean heavy on the grade, I think there are lots of things you can miss out on on the way. Like the magic of spontaneity and like happy accidents, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I find that if I'm in a situation where I'm totally focused on the grade, I don't allow the mistakes to happen and I don't allow myself to like fully explore um, how far and wide this task at hand can go. Nice. Yeah. Cause if you, cause if you're focused on a goal, then it kind of, it kind of destroys the iterative process. If you think yeah. you know where you're going and you beeline it. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's another thing that, you know, grading kind of gets in the way of, or, or can get in the way of if, for, if we're not careful, anyhow. Mm -hmm. Especially if there's a, a time a time limit too, right? Like if there's a strict time limit, you're kind of just like, okay, how do I get from point A to point B as quick as possible and as efficiently as possible? And maybe maybe in our, like, in our day and age, that's a great thing, efficiency. Uh, you know, everyone has their <laughs> opinions on that. But, like, I've always been more on the side of, okay, like, let's maybe enjoy this process. Like, we can trust this process as much as possible, and, like, it's going to get ugly, and we can take all sorts of different avenues to see, like, how do I 
make something cool that I'm proud of. It, it sounds so vague the way I'm saying things, but just, yeah, like free yourself a bit, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, it, 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 it is vague, but um, not everyone has the confidence to accept vague. So actually I've, I've made her, I, I assigned something recently and mm-hmm. when the students said, what do you want us to do, right? Because I guess the, it was too vague. The assignment was too vague. I said, I just want you to make something you can be proud of. And that, that's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome to Jennifer, but other people, it just scared the shit out of them. And they kind of <laughs> went into a panic mode. Um, so I actually ended up like making an example. And now I know I'm going to get 30 copies of, you know, the example. The example. Um, that's yeah, which is, which is kind of a bummer. So I don't know. It's another hurdle is just building up the confidence, right? I, I don't know if it's yeah. insecurities or self-doubt. How do you get people to just like dive in head first? What's stopping people from doing what they want to do? Oh man, I don't even know. That's something that like, I don't know if anyone who struggles with that sort of thing ever figures it out. Like imposter syndrome, right? Like, like how do you trust yourself enough to like do something and feel proud of it at the end? And then even at the end when you did make it, how do you feel like you made it? How do you feel proud of it, you know? Um, so I guess there's there's a sense of security in like following the rubric, like a very strict rubric rubric that way. And mm-hmm. how do how yeah, do I, I don't, like how do yeah. I overcome? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I have, but um, uh, hmm, how you do don't I suffer have? from the imposter syndrome. Oh, I totally do. I mean, if I do, if I'm like, oh, this isn't good enough, then it's like, okay, well, I'm gonna be up all night until it is. Oh, um, really? <laughs> it, it depends on the thing, right? Like some things, I'm I just I can easily just let let it go. But I mean, like, for example, I, I made hundreds of pizzas and hundreds of loaves of bread trying to get like the perfect loaf of bread that I love to like create it in my mind. <laughs> so like, that's how I deal with it, which is probably a little bit obsessive. Um, and I don't know if it's always healthy. And I don't know if you can always do it. Right. Because who when you're in healthy? school. Yeah. Who needs, you have the who needs healthy loaf of bread? bread. I, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm, if I'm making hundreds of loads of bread, obviously, I'm not worried about health. <laughs> No, yeah, I, I totally, I, I totally, I'm with you. And I, like imposter syndrome happens all the time. Honestly, if I'm speaking like about me, making music for one and, and, and having now a, a job in, in design, thankfully, it's like every waking moment is like, if I put this out, what business do I have putting this song out when I'm not a musician or like, uh, really? Yeah. Or, or you even are a with, musician. See, you see that. I don't know if I believe it. Um, same with design, though. Like I like thank you to my job for having me there so much. But um, when do they find out that I'm not a designer? <laughs> you know what I mean? Kind, kind of. But you're if you, like you have the job. No one's getting mad at you over what you're doing. People listen <laughs> to your music. People, you people look at your designs. I mean, what? What? See, that- what that's that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. Like, logically, these things are there, and like that that those reminders of your success are there, um, and you can't dispute them, but you don't feel them. 
I, I don't know. Mm. And, and it was that like that way in school as well. Like to go back to the topic of like comparing yourself to other students and that sort of thing. Like I would be tapped besides students who were so great at design and like had this um, amazing understanding of layout or like how to do things. And I'm in, I'm in this program, not totally by chance, but just because it's another skill that I have that isn't music and I had to graduate from something. So (laughs) I'm here and I'm trying to, you know, get to the end of this program. Um, And, and like, I'm constantly feeling like, man, I, I do not have a place here. Everyone is so mm. good at this or they're good at their own thing. What is my mm. thing? And even if I do have a thing, am I really good at it? Gosh, they're so much better. You know, those are the thoughts like throughout class. <laughs> while, huh. while people, you, you know, are, are trying to learn how to properly mask something on Illustrator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Command shift seven. Yeah. <laughs> And in the yeah. mind, it's like, oh, my God, I suck so bad. Oh, geez. Yeah, man, it, it's so weird because, like, all I see with you, with pretty much everyone, is, is just, like, talent. Um, so to hear it, to hear that, 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 that any amount of doubt exists is, like, surprising but also sobering because I'm always just mm-hmm. barreling forward, like, we got this, we can do this, everyone's smart, everyone's good, everyone's talented, everything I see from you is awesome, so mm-hmm. I never really stopped to reassure, maybe. Um, so maybe there's room for me to do that a little bit more. I'll, I'll say this, that your class was probably the most affirming class that I had at oh. my time at Humber. Um, that's nothing on the other teachers, either. Like, everyone was really supportive, um, when I look back, but like definitely your class was like a place where I felt and other students, we always talk about it. If it ever comes up that we felt safe to explore there or we felt safe to like do what we wanted there. Um, Oh, wow. Feel confident in our abilities or as close to confident as possible. That's wow. That's really good to hear because I I did actually get some (laughs) feedback that I was grading too hard. So um, that you were grading too hard. Yeah, I did get some feedback. Yeah, maybe I just graded the wrong people too hard but um i definitely took it to heart and i i grade completely different now so um, whoa yeah wonder what yeah other grades they got if that were the case <laughs> kidding i'm not i'm not sure i'm not <laughs> sure it, I'm, I'm always looking for ways to i invite you to suggest any ways to like like find mm-hmm. this balance between direction and certainty and grades and figuring out what you want to do one of the ways I've done it, this I, I piloted this year is having like options, which is something I took from the university model. It's super common to say like, here are five possible essay subjects. Please write on two of them. Mm-hmm. So this year in the After Effects course, I made six possible homework assignments, and then I said, you can you only need to complete three of them, and complete the three that will help you with like your main assignments. And there's just one way, but I don't know if there's any other ways to sort of enable people to take the path that they are comfortable with. Mm-hmm. That's a good question. I don't know. I think that model is pretty great as far as like um, trying to help people like, like nudging them to, to take whatever uh, path they want to go in kind of. Um, maybe... It's hard to say because I'm sure that you've 
you've had assignments where you're, well, actually you just said, like you've had assignments where it's kind of open-ended when people can choose what they want to do. And so, mm-hmm. and that didn't turn out so well, right? With the example. So it's, I don't know. It's hit and miss. I was thinking to suggest like, yeah, like people can, can say what they want, but that you just did that. So I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think there's room to scope that out even larger. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, I think even on a, on a program level, um, I think there's room for more focused electives. Like there's definitely a push and pull because it's like, if you read a job description right now, they kind of want you to know a little bit about everything. Yeah. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's kind of like, well, like, does, do you really have to study everything? Like, if you really aren't interested in animation, mm-hmm. maybe you can take more of another course as an elective, and you still get the same number of credits. Of course, that introduces issues. Um, because it closes doors, it could possibly close doors to you. I'm not really sure how to deal with it on, on like, a macro level. I, I actually think that's a fabulous idea, actually. Yeah. Um... Yeah, if something like that were in place when I was at at Humber, I'd I'd absolutely take advantage of that. Like, um, I won't say now, but there are definitely a number of classes I would have dropped in to to take other other avenues. Like maybe if there was one that specialized in like video editing or like um, even web design, more more into web design, UX even that sort of thing. I don't know, but it's that's actually a great idea. <laughs> Well, well it, it's again, it's hard though, because it's, it's like if you don't force people, force people to take something like After Effects or, or UI, and then and then they get into the workforce, and it's like, well, everywhere I apply wants this. You know, how come you didn't let me take this? Because um, yeah, the colleges are in in a constant dialogue with the uh, with the industry to make sure we, our offering is like is um, relevant. Mm-hmm, but you know, mm-hmm. you know, you said you said UI. And you said film, uh, film editing, and it's kind of like those are like film editing is like one, another side of the coin of After Effects, and UI is another side of the coin of web design. So I mm-hmm. think there's room to like to scope, scope these things out a bit, I, I think, um, into options, maybe even, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe even like cross. Uh, uh, cross program because maybe your elective as a second year design student is a first year film course. Um, it, it'd be good too to get that sort of diversity of knowledge like brought into and shared between programs. Totally. And these are people that like, I wish I knew this back then, but like these are people across programs. These are people that you you might work with someday, right? Like the people in the film program you might meet them someday on a, on a project like way later down the line and like to have some sort of dialogue going from this point would have been awesome. I think. Yeah. How like small is how this to communicate industry? With a videographer. Yeah. It, it like the thing is the design is industry is so massive in terms of like the things you have to know and like the assets that like maybe you want to have under your belt. But in, in terms of like the people who are actually working in it in the community, it's pretty tight knit. And like, if you have a solid group yep. of people, you're always kind of going to be reaching out to them and they're going to be reaching out to you. Yeah. Um, are you, are you active but, in any uh, design, design communities? I think, I don't know if I'm active in like anyone that 
is concrete or anything, but I definitely have, I'm proud to say that I like, I have my own community of people where I can lean on for uh, help or they could lean on me. And these are just friends that I made from like school um, or, or like local shows and that sort of thing. Um, so it, maybe if I have any insight for current students is to that, like, there should, yeah, there should be a focus on looking to the future and looking for um, insight from people who are experienced in the industry and who have uh, jobs in the industry, but like, you should also look sideways, you know, like look at your peers, look at your people in other programs. And because these are the people that are going to be moving forward with you and learning with you. These are the people who you're going to be working with most likely. And so it's good to establish those relationships now, like even just on a friend level. No, by no means should, I think any, should anyone go into like a relationship being purely like, we are going to work together. This is purely professional. Um, But definitely like, this is a great chance to make some concrete friends who have great skills and you can explore really fun ideas with right now. That's what I say. Yeah. I don't, what was, what was the question even? I don't remember. I don't know, but I, I like this. So how did you, how did you form these relationships? I'm assuming you mean when you were in college and how did you maintain them? And do you continue to foster them in any way? Oh, totally. Yeah. So like, I think because I, I, I grew up like in school with the habit of not being an island. Like that was always my um, boat, like life raft in school is to, to not be an island, to like rely on my friends or rely on teachers and form relationships going throughout that that just carried me through the rest of my education and so in college um not that like I knew I had to be friends so I could get through college but like naturally I just make friends and then like you just make friends with people and like you, you start to care about them they care about you as as the course of friendship goes and and like since there's a, a common interest in design like maybe if an idea is brought up you kind of go for it and because you care about them you kind of want to like see that happen so there are a lot of instances where I have friends with like who are super talented and I I know that they care about me as a person and they've offered their help to me and it's like I'm so grateful for any time that sort of magical like transaction mm-hmm. happens and honestly it's the nature of most of the work I do like even the job that I landed uh now like it, it happened because like my friend trusted me in, in I don't know, just um, being friends first, committing to caring about someone in, in that way. And then like just showing them that you, you care about what you do. Like that has always landed me projects. That has always landed me jobs. That has always landed me opportunities to make things. Me too. No one's ever hired me as a designer. <laughs> They've always hired me. Because they, I, I think, because they liked me. Because there's always been better designers vying for the same positions. As yeah. Me. <laughs> I totally, yeah. Um, it, it, and, like, that's amazing, right? Like, I, there's, like, a whole stigma against working with friends or, like, mixing business with pleasure. But I think we could totally revisit that and, like, relook at how, how we look at that, right? Like, you can mix business with pleasure, obviously, with boundaries. But, like... Um, why not be friends and start like a whole enterprise, you know? 
Uh-huh. I, yeah. Um, yeah. Especially in the design industry, it does kind of happen with small agencies um, a little bit, um, but why not more of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think, I think some of us get in our heads about being professional or like when that professional setting is presented to us, we're going to have to treat it like a real job and like handshakes and that sort of thing. Uh, but like, maybe it doesn't always have to be that, right? Like maybe, maybe we can DIY things. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Eh? Yeah. There's, you know, we are, I think the, I think we are de-escalating de-escalating professionalism or de-escalating pretense uh, mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways in the professional world. Um, one of my first design jobs was for a police station. And, um, you know, um, one, of the, one of the people I worked with told me that when she started, that if the chief of police walked into the room, everyone stood up. And, well, and now, you know, now that if, like, Everyone still had great respect for the chief, but um, that just, you just wouldn't. Like, everyone is, you know, much friendlier, and, you know, you don't, you can just say, good morning, chief, and he'll say, good morning, Eric, and, you know, you go about your business. Um, yeah. So, I remember the, the CEO at, um, um, the CEO at the law firm I worked in, which is the, one of the biggest in the country, uh, one of the biggest in the world. Um, Whoa. Yeah, he, first name basis with everyone. You know, no mister, no, not like nothing like that. So I don't know how the rest of the design world is, but I think it's also a little more relaxed than people might think. Yeah, that was, that was definitely um, at least a fear on my mind. A lot of the time in school is that like once I get, once I finish school and I'd have to like, tr- I want to like maybe work in an agency or something like there's a whole new level of like me that I have to bring forward and like, you know, kind of, kind of make them believe that I'm like this professional person that like, I don't even know what that means, but. <laughs> huh. I'm actually, I'm <laughs> surprised like to hear that. you say that because you were always very composed. Like it was never like, you just always seem composed. Oh, thanks. It's like screaming inside always. Really? But, yeah, always. But maybe oh. that's why outside is so composed. It's like so much stimulation going on inside just like not in my body <laughs> shut, shut the face down because the because otherwise it's going to be too time. much yeah <laughs> wild um but yeah like i guess i'm just trying to say chill a bit <laughs> it's not it doesn't have to be so um this is to the students i'm saying by the way <laughs> um yeah it, it's not like such a, a a harsh as harsh of an industry as maybe some people are saying because that was definitely communicated by some people i'm gonna say while while being at school that like you know once you enter the workforce that it like it's cutthroat and maybe it is to a certain extent but and you and you are agency side right you're with an yeah. agency and i don't think there's been a single time where i felt like someone would like you know scream at me in a room for making something bad I, like if anything I, I would be doing that myself you know <laughs> we're our own worst critics 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I remember, I'll tell you the one thing that was true with the, the harshness. Um, there was an instructor when I was there named uh, David Barkworth. And he mm-hmm. taught, he taught InDesign, but he would, um, because InDesign, you know, if you're, if you're designing in InDesign, you're designing for print. And he mm-hmm. would always have scary cautionary tales about not preparing your files correctly and how oh. you send them to print and they won't work. And he did scare a few people, but um, I think he was right. That's the only, that's the only like thing that I think was somewhat, it, it was true. Stuff like that's pretty fair, though, isn't it? Like setting up, like proof lighting, setting up your <laughs> InDesign files. Def- you know what? Yeah, totally listen to those. <laughs> those are true yeah, yeah. deals. <laughs> InDesign is not a person. It's software. And if you don't set it up right, your shit won't print. No, it will come after you. <laughs> yeah, whether it's font font errors or things are, you know, positioned so that, you know, there's an inch of white on the edge of the page or <laughs> who, who knows, right? You're... you're your files don't print. Your images look like crap because they're RGB instead of CMYK. Oh, um, God. You know, your spot colors are wrong. Your transparencies are wrong. You haven't flattened correctly. You're the wrong format of, of PDF. Um, you exported your flipbook as Flash, and Flash doesn't exist anymore, and you don't know how to make it HTML5. Like, those things are real. No. These are all horror stories to me. Just, yeah, those, those are true. This is InDesign is a monster that is real, and it exists, so be terrified of it. However, every other story told is not true. <laughs> do, you, do you like InDesign? I, to be honest with you, I never use it. <laughs> I, I don't you just don't a do a lot of do. a lot of you don't do a lot of book layout or magazine style work. No, no, not not where I work right now. Like we do do some print and stuff, but we never move to InDesign to use it. Um, yeah. I don't know. Do you have to I, do I, spreads though, like multi-page, like more than two-page layouts? No, no, that's probably okay. why. At most, it's only ever two. So, yeah, any yeah, anything that's a spread for me is basically a coin toss between whether or not I do it in Illy or over in InDesign. I'm always, I'll always opt for Illustrator. I don't know. Uh, it's just so much nicer as a person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't get the control on typography. Mm-hmm. I find. So, you know, depending on how, depending on how type heavy, I'm talking about like body text it is, mm-hmm. um, InDesign can be a little bit easier. And if you have to output for accessibility, um, Illustrator does not have those features. So you, you can kind of get in a little trouble there. But um, for most things, Illustrator, especially one page is easier for sure, I think. Uh, yeah, maybe smaller end stuff, just like. Yeah, small run, casual, (laughs) that type of stuff, yeah. Exactly. And even for, I find like, I know Photoshop is kind of supposed to be the go-to for digital, but if I need to make like a web banner, I'm just as likely to do it in Illustrator as Photoshop. I think I'm just starting to get back into Photoshop. So I was actually, I was most Photoshop heavy before I went to design school. Like as Mm -hmm. just as I was figuring out um, Adobe software is on my own. Funny enough, at music school. I, <laughs> um, like, yeah, I was working mainly in Photoshop. I didn't really understand resolution or like color spaces, color workspaces and that sort of thing. Um, and once I got to design school and like we learned more about that sort of stuff, Illustrator was just, it seems so much better for that, right? Like it's just so much more friendly with vectors and, and that sort of thing. 
But getting mm-hmm. back into Photoshop now that I guess I understand those things and those cautionary tales. Why do you think Photoshop is the gateway drug into Adobe and into design? <laughs> Everyone, you're not alone. My first run in with Adobe was Photoshop. Yeah. I think, well, firstly, it's like a household name, right? When you're, when anyone's thinking about photo manipulation, like graphics at all, I think, I think people um, have, it's a synonym in like common talk for, for if you're going to manipulate a photo is like, oh, did you Photoshop that? Like, did you, like, no one says, did you illustrate, illustrator that? Did you InDesign that? You know? (laughs) (laughs) No, they don't. They don't. They don't, but but still, it's like they say that. But like, so why do I? Why did I think I was in like eighth grade, and I wanted to? I had drawn something and I wanted to color it, and I was like, mm-hmm. I guess I'll color this in Photoshop. Um, why wouldn't I color my illustration in Illustrator? I don't know. Hmm. I just went to Photoshop, um, and everyone else seems to, and I don't quite. Did you even like? Do you remember how you did it? Did you fill? your illustration um, no bicycle. no i i i painted it in um i painted the character in just using brushes and i used the default brushes and i when i when i handed it in my eighth grade teacher said this isn't your work and i was i was like what what do you what? mean it's not my work like it wasn't even that good right like this what do you mean it's not my work he's like well you didn't do this a computer did <gasps> yeah you know what though this was this would have been 20 years ago no, more than that, more than 20 years ago. So, you know, in a way, it's kind of like, it seems like he's being ignorant, but really it's like, it wasn't super. Yeah, I mean, I understand that digital painting is not painting, but it's still digital painting. It takes incredible skill. Like, I suck at painting in, especially if it's not like selected or that sort of thing. Like, you, eighth grade, you deserve a lot of credit for doing that. Yeah, like I said, it wasn't good. I was just thinking now, like, I've built a career on, I guess, not not doing things myself, the computer doing it for me. Whoa, that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's just, it's just funny how that, how that starts and for the individual and how it's started as, a, like, a discipline and how that perceptions of what, you know, you're doing and who's doing it are changing all the time. Yeah, totally. My first, my first, <laughs> my first, like a uh, um, graphic, so to speak, made was also on Photoshop, and it was kind of like that too. It was for, <laughs> it was for a media arts class that I took because I thought it. My friend was going in, like I thought it would be super fun and chill, whatever. I didn't what, care. Sorry, was this in high school? Graphic design at all at this point? It was in high school. Yeah, I was like in grade ten, and. The first thing I ever made was for an assignment where we had to superimpose something onto a background. So I yeah. super, I, I clone or no, I cropped out little lambs from like really low res pictures and I put them on a white background in Photoshop. There's no fill. It was just a plain <laughs> background, like the stock background that appears. And um, mm-hmm. I used the paintbrush, the paint tool or the brush tool, um, stock uh, stock tool like 100% hardness probably and like just drew stick people and it mm-hmm. was just I remember it was like raining blood and I got the media arts award and it was so- <laughs> it was wait it was raining blood 
Yeah. From, oh, yeah. I should mention the the lambs were clouds. They were meant to be clouds in that. Oh, okay. Piece. And it was like a. <laughs> okay. But yeah, Photoshop had no idea how to use it, and 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 here we are. You know, you and I here we are years later, designers. Yeah. Yeah. In the no. Industry. It's so weird. Like it. And and you know it's pretty accidental too because I th- I I studied um, history and literature and it sounds like you studied music first. Yeah, yeah, briefly I did. Okay, and you just decided some point I'm moving on from this. Well, actually, after so after high school, I had no uh, my plan was to not have a plan. Like I was pretty committed to not going to school after and just like full sending with my band. We're going on tour. Like we we don't. We're not taking no for an answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, long story short, I took no for an answer. And <laughs> um, my mom was like, you have to go to school. You're kidding. Um, and so I went to music school to try it out. And it, it was cool that, like, I felt the same feelings that I felt in design school later there as well, like where these musicians alongside me are so talented and have all these great skills. And like, they're, these are musicians. I am not. Like, in years later, I would have that in design as well. You know, like, these are great designers. I'm not a designer. So um, that's besides the point. Anyway, I um, I would design in music school. I remember, like, that was my peak time of exploration with Adobe, I think. Um, and then I dropped out because I just felt like I could learn more actually doing that sort of thing that they were teaching in music school um, rather than just just staying in school and learning, hearing about other people's experiences. Like I could live it, like, you know, like I could go on tour myself without the degree. Um, and yeah, so so I did that. And then after I was kind of like, well, I, I want to explore this design thing because I, I think I'm pretty okay with it. I have fun with it. I went to design school and that's how it worked. I went to Humber and, uh, and here we are. <laughs> I, I wish I had some data on this because so many of the design students have studied something beforehand. I don't know if that we are the island of misfit toys, um, of which I am one of those. I toys. love that though. I, I think we <laughs> might be because I, I I will talk to my brother who teaches in, in uh, software engineering and ask him how many people have been in other things. But um, of everyone I've interviewed, all of them studied something before design. Yeah. It's also it, it's also kind of cool that um as you're in all these other industries you do start to learn that design is in your industry no matter where you are like no matter what you're doing like there oh, yeah. is a certain amount of design like some sort of communication that is required and it needs to be either printed out or made digitally like I'm sure like even in um studying history right like there's there's definitely so much design that needs to happen there Oh, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, yeah, um, data visualization and textbooks and all that. But not, not only that, it's a, our knowledge of history, the artifacts of history, our design artifacts, whether it's a painting or a woodcut or a book. Yeah. It's all design art. So that's how we know about the past is because of design. Whoa, yeah. Yeah. So actually, I think I might have already mentioned this, but I, we had to take um, design history when I was in design college and I was like, oh, I, I sh- can I be exempt from this? And they were like, no. And I was like, well, I have a history degree. And they were like, it's no, this is design history. And I was like, okay. So I just took it. But 
it was a little yeah. how important has your background in music been in your design career i oh it's i think it's been crucial i think and and here's why is because like i was saying before the relationships that i made in music school ended up being clients that I would later have. I, I don't know if I'd call them clients, but like friends who would ask me like, hey, could you throw together a logo for my band? Or like, we're doing a gig poster, like we're doing a tour. Can you throw together like something quick? Um, mm -hmm. And then, and like having those two avenues of, of just something to do in music has definitely mm -hmm. like kept me in, in that side of of music like i don't know if i would i would be the musician i am if it weren't for design if that makes sense because i i think i found my place in that i do write songs and i do like to produce music but i also like to provide the assets that surround that like maybe commit to the atmosphere that surrounds um a single release you know like building um web banners like facebook banners or like um instagram posts lead up a campaign to releasing a song it you, this it, that kind of stuff always leads to leads to like an environment that you're trying to build and i i think that's like my little niche corner of of music that i'm totally happy in you know in a way you have sort of a unique advantage because you can consider music as a complete concept with like as an audio concept and a visual concept and as a brand concept and like every way it kind of spreads its fingers into the world um something you you can touch which yeah. not every musician can do Ooh, i like that <laughs> i'm gonna put that on my resume <laughs> <laughs> there <laughs> yeah well there's um there's a bit of a movement right now going on in the uh in the uh, accessibility community or the, the inclusive design world, which is um, mm -hmm. the term that they use is multi-sensory. I prefer the term selective sensory. It's this idea that mm -hmm. can you create artworks which don't exclude anyone? So if it's a visual piece, how can a blind person interact with it? If it's a musical mm -hmm. piece, how can a deaf person interact with it? Um, and there's like a whole just world of research um, drawing from cognitive science and graphic design and music and fine arts and industrial design um, trying to answer these questions uh, and explore this world. Incredible. Yeah, well, I think maybe you, you might be someone who can contribute to that dialogue. Um, Hearing about music. it, I yeah. want to. I really want to. That's definitely something I want to be a part of. Is that something you're you're kind of in the efforts of doing too? Right um, now. I, uh, when I was in grad school, yeah, I worked on I worked on a project uh, that was exhibited at the Art Gallery of Ontario, um, along with uh, <laughs> I I picked it up from another designer, um, Jad Rabat and Alicia Cameron and um, Amanda Austin, and I worked on like a second evolution of of Jad and Alicia's original concept. Yeah, um, lots of lots of stuff going on there um, with oh, OCAD and with the AGO and with, with just a wider community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, That's in really a way, cool. well, yeah, and like 
it seems a little bit like experimental, but you know, if we sort of start to think about these problems in an abstract way or like even for fun, then mm -hmm. um, who knows where it will take you. I mean, what were you saying earlier about just not not necessarily having a goal, just being open? Yeah, kind of um, being open to, to happy accidents or like going where where the project is going to take you rather than like steering the project sort of, right? Exactly, exactly. Letting, letting the problem sort of direct you. Yeah. So fascinating. Um, I remember actually like the first class that we had that you instructed, um, you'd mentioned that you, you work a lot in accessibility design. Um, yeah. And I remember uh, feeling yeah. very moved about that. <laughs> I was like, I, oh this goodness. is a world of design that I didn't know existed or like, like I've been so privileged to not even have to know. Right. And, and like, yeah, I remember feeling very moved that, that it exists and like, I wanted to be a part of it. I just didn't know how, especially in terms of music. Like it's always been an experience that I, I, I don't know. I, I remember being a part of sign language club and just being like, dang, can't hear music. <laughs> I hate yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Deafness is a tough one. Cause there's like different, different, there's like capital D deaf and deaf. I, I have a friend, uh, Enrique Matulis mm -hmm. who is deaf, but he is an awesome musician. So th yeah. there's like, there is all of this, like, you know, sort of gray, gray areas, right? Like, um, where access is sort of shaded, I guess you could say. Um, mm -hmm. And it's really, really interesting. Um, I don't do a whole lot of work in that field anymore, although I try to build it into the way I roll out lessons and the way I try to, um, the way I create learning materials now. Like I've moved away from slideshows and I use web pages because HTML is just, it's just better for access. Yeah. Um, stuff like that but yeah i i don't know i kind of miss i kind of miss the adventure of that space i hope that's all right to say i think um i think you you provide that in your classrooms though like i think you're definitely someone who takes all sorts of things in consideration and like even in just making this podcast right <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> like trying you. to be as as inclusive and like progressive in terms of like how to how to make things better for everyone yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you know i've never I've, I've never been more like engaged as a designer than i have been trying to design education mm -hmm. which is surprising because I, I thought it would kind of put my career to sleep and that was a big worry of mine like oh, i'm not going to be a designer anymore and you know <laughs> um why, why is that so funny i don't know it, it it's kind of it, it's just it, it's funny like the uh my friend I have a few friends who are teachers and they're kind of just like oh I'm no longer like the musician I was I'm just a teacher now like, no man you're mm -hmm. <laughs> you still do it <laughs> yeah anyway. I don't know I don't know well ask me in 20 years how I feel about that <laughs> we'll see where I am ask you in 20 years yeah we'll see where I am if, I, if how where I what I decide happened the design versus the educated career. I don't think it has to be either or, though. I mean, there are a lot of people who are active in, you know, they have a, what's that? The river I step in is not the river I stand in. So, 
we can be. I don't know that saying. Everything is moving around us. So, you know, you can't really stand still because I like that. Yeah. everything's changing around you so much that even if you're standing still, you're not really still. Yeah. Yeah. Someone like said that, that before Einstein ever realized relativity and all that stuff. <laughs> all right. Is there anything else you want to you wanna talk about? Hmm. There's anything else I could say. It's maybe, you know, like classes and, and teachers and programs and jobs are all going to always be different and there's always going to be some level adapt of adaption um, from you. But I think, I think there's something to be said about like, trusting yourself, trusting the process, trusting yourself, going with your gut and just trusting that you do have something to offer in the space that you're in. Um, even if you don't feel like that's the case, even as a junior, there is still valid input that you have and, and trusting yourself with that is going to be what's going to take you to the end of a project. I think. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Trust yourself. I, I think that's pretty much, I mean, that's the name of the game, especially earlier on, isn't it? And then maybe stop trusting yourself yeah, once, it, you're, it, once you're established, listen to other people. Yeah, once you're established, just throw everything out the window and you don't believe, don't believe anything, period, anymore. Yeah. Like, just nothing. Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> if we could get people to trust, trust themselves, it would just be, everything would be so much easier. But, I mean, that's hard to do. It, it is really hard to do. And it, it's crazy that, like, there are people who do trust themselves and you see how far they can go. And it's like, they're no different from any average person other than the fact that they kind of just went with their gut. Yeah, there's the, uh, what was I reading? A book by a guy named Ross Baird. He said the single uh, single most common attribute of successful people is their single-mindedness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100 I think, I think I'm, I might live by that, at least for this week, before the, right. <laughs> the imposter syndrome sets in again. Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough. Okay, well, uh, do you want to talk about what you're doing at work or anything? Or do you want to talk about your music? I have a song coming out at the end of this month. I don't know when this is going to be out in the world, but the song is going to come out April 30th. And the way the song came about was just that I got together with a bunch of friends. Like I, I produced a song at home and then a friend offered to co-produce it and mix it. And then a friend wanted to shoot the video. Friends designed the set. Um, and so, yeah. Speaking again to looking sideways, looking at your partners, you know, your peers and that sort of thing and, and establishing those good relations. Like I now have something at the end of the project that I'm pretty proud of and I'm happy to put out and more so than that, like I, I did something that with my friends, I just hung out with my friends and made something cool. It kind of yeah. sounds like you don't, you don't wait <laughs> to get in on a network. You just start a network. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And I think that's you can find a lot of of fulfillment in that because in the time that it takes to maybe like complete a project or do something you're also just like establishing relations and, and, and just having a good time <laughs> in life <laughs> amazing amazing well thanks again for your time thank you talk to you later bye, bye.